Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 156, the podcast to help keep you updated and educated about the latest consumer technology. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, how you can park your car with your smartphone. Speaking of smartphones, are you addicted to yours? And you can install Apple's new iOS 9 and OS 10 El Capitan operating systems today. In the Tech Guide reviews, we take a look at the Jabra Sport Coach earphones, Sony's latest range of Bravia TVs and audio products, and Dot, the world's smallest Bluetooth headset. In the Tech Guide interview, we talk to author and Norton spokesperson Tara Moss about new research that reveals parents are in the dark about what their children are up to online. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. And we're also welcoming our new sponsor, Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to talk about, so let's get cracking. Now, how many of you have been driving your car and seen a parking spot and think and thought, well, I'm not going to fit in there? The problem is, when we get into a parking spot, especially on the driver's side, we need to be able to get out of the car. And if the spot is too tight, well, we need to go look for something else. Well, not anymore. There's a new technology developed by Mercedes-Benz. It's called the Remote Parking Pilot. And what it basically allows you to do is to park your car remotely using your smartphone. So picture this scenario. You pull up at this parking spot. It is a, it is a little tight, especially on the driver's side. Well, that's not a problem. What you can do is get out of the car, position the car, and then use the app to pilot the car into the spot, to back it or drive it into that spot. And there's no need to worry about any space on the driver's side because, hey, you're already out of the car. So this is a pretty interesting demonstration. You can, you can see this full video at Tech Guide. Uh, I've written a story about it. But what a, what a wonderful development for, for Mercedes-Benz. This is going to be part of their new E-Class, which is going to be released in 2016. Now, we know technology is becoming such a big part of cars nowadays. This is just the latest example of combining an existing technology, uh, an app for your smartphone, with some new technology in the car to make parking your car in those tricky, tight little spots even easier. Uh, this had a great response on Tech Guide. I recommend you head over to there right now and check out the video. You're not going to believe your eyes. It's really cool to see the driver not only park the car and, and then go head off to do what he or she has to do, but when you come back again, then you can simply then drive the car out of the spot, jump inside the driver's seat, and then head on your way. A really cool new technology. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. 
This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Speaking of smartphones, how close are you to yours? Do you get nervous when you're when you can't see it? Are you in a panic if you're not if it's not in your hand or not close by? These are actually signs that you may have a smartphone addiction. Now, ask yourself: Do you feel nervous when your your phone isn't with you? Do you feel naked, or are you worried? You're in a panic. Do you have physical pain? Do you have a sore neck or wrist pain? Because you're using your phone too much. These are real questions that people need to ask themselves. There's been some studies done in the US and here in Australia, and some interesting stats have come out of that to show that a great majority of people are actually nervous and in a panic and really worried and sweating when they can't find their smartphone or can't use their smartphone. There's some interesting things to look at here. Uh, This study has shown, has thrown up some interesting signs. This is a U.S. study, by the way, so I should point out that this this was conducted six in the U.S. and showed that six in ten adults own a smartphone, and seventy-two percent said they were never more than a couple of meters away from it. Now you need to ask yourself: Here are the signs that may indicate you have a, a smartphone addiction. Do you panic when your phone isn't isn't near you or is misplaced? Are you constantly using your phone, even in social situations like you might be at dinner? Or with people in a meeting, are you constantly using your phone in that scenario? Do you have a euphoric feeling when you get a new text or an email or call coming in? Do you use your phone right before you go to sleep and right after you wake up? Do you feel guilty about using your phone? Is there any physical pain like that rest or neck pain that I mentioned? Or have you got in trouble, whether you're a student or at work, for using your phone? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, you may have a smartphone addiction. Now, the study in the U.S. showed that 73% of of respondents panicked when they couldn't find their phone. 14% described their feeling as feeling desperate. 7% actually felt physically ill. And 50% of workers even said they checked their smartphones while they're on holidays. But even this, even this stat... One in five U.S. adults, aged between 18 and 34, have even used their smartphones during sex. They can't get away from it. So how do you get, how do you snap out of this? Does this ring true for you? How do you snap out of this? This what looks like an addiction. Well, here's what you can do. I'll put some stats, some some uh, an infographic actually, a really intro infographic up on Tech Guide. And here are some some things you can do to maybe help you snap out of this addiction. Try unplugging for 30 minutes and then try extending that each day just to give you a bit more time rather than looking at a screen. Maybe focus on the people around you, especially if you're out for dinner or at coffee or with people, focus on them, talk to them. Rather than giving your attention to the people who aren't with you, talk to the people that are. Be aware of what triggers you to grab your phone. Are you bored? Are you nervous? Uh, are you anxious? These are things, the triggers that make us reach for our phone. Turn off your ringer. Make, make, make it so that you can't hear your phone. You can't hear the messages. can't hear emails. can't hear calls. Even try setting strict rules about when you won't use your phone. So maybe set yourself a, a, a rule to say, right, during dinner, I'm not going to look at my phone. Or, of course, you can't use it in the car. That's, a, that's another area you can't use your phone. Maybe even once a month, have a smartphone fast. 
So put your phone down for an entire day or maybe an entire weekend. Maybe when you go to sleep, put your phone out of reach. A lot of people get up in the middle of the night, they have it right near their bed. That's that's only going to give you an opportunity to look at your phone. I know a lot of people use their phones as an alarm clock, but you know what? Spend 20 bucks on a clock radio. It's going to be a lot better than using your phone as the alarm and having that next to you so you can look at it right before you go to bed and look at it the first thing you get up. Now, if all of these things are still ringing true, then there are actually counsellors that can help you with this technology addiction. If, if this is you, I urge you to take some steps. You know, smartphones are there to help us. They're not there to take over our lives. You know, I do talk about smartphones a lot on this program, but the, the, it's, it's to talk about it in ways that it can help you, can enrich your life, not take over your life. You want to read more about that story, you'll find it at techguide.com.au. Now, I know it was only a few months ago that Apple announced the new operating systems for the iPhone and iPad and for the Mac. And I'm talking, of course, about iOS 9 for the iPad and iPhone and OS 10 El Capitan for the Mac. Now, these aren't due till about September. So if you're waiting for the official release, that is the time when you'll get it. Do you want to get your hands on it today? If you answered yes, well, you can. Apple have just kicked off their beta program. For the first time, including iOS in this beta, last year they had Yosemite uh, in the beta program, but not iOS 8. Well, in this year, iOS 9 is joining the beta program, and it's very simple to get hold of it. I've put instructions on TechGuide, a step-by-step. You need firstly need to sign up to the beta program page with your Apple ID. Back up your devices. I can't stress this enough. If you want to use iOS 9 on your phone, you've got to remember this is still in development. You will receive the updates as you go until the official version is available, but back up your phone. I had a reader contact me today saying that they had installed iOS 9. They weren't enjoying it because a lot of the apps that they like to use weren't working with iOS 9. So keep that in mind. Back up your phone or your iPad before you install iOS 9. That way, if it's not working out, if you don't like it, you can go back to and restore from that other backup. Same deal if you're using it on your Mac. Uh, Again, this isn't completed software. It's still being tested, hence the reason why they're offering their millions of customers the opportunity to help them iron out the bugs in these programs. Same deal, back up your Mac. Always do that, and then head over to the beta program page, sign up your with your ID, register your device. So if you're an iOS device, you can uh, then download a profile to your particular device. Of course, you need to do that on your iPad or on your iPhone, and then you'll be uh, set up to install iOS 9 beta. Same deal for the Mac. If you go to the, the, C, the beta sign-up page, there is a link there and a redeem code that will then allow you to download and install that on your device. Now, what's so special about them? Well, iOS 9, there's a new news app, so you'll be able to see all your news in one place. There's also an enhanced notes app, so that way you can, rather than just creating text, you can create tables and and lists and all those sorts of things, include pictures, diagrams, draw on the page. Multitask is improved, so if you've got an iPad, you can actually split the screen and use two apps at the same time. Battery life will also improve. 
With the with the uh, iOS 10 El Capitan, there's a there's a few new features there as well. Again, some multitasking features where you can split the screen in two and uh, work on two things, two uh, programs side by side. Uh, other things you'll do is there's an enhanced Safari, so you can pin your favourite sites to your to your toolbar. So rather than you having to take up a lot of space with several open tabs, you can pin your favourite sites to that toolbar. Uh, there's also that improved Notes app carries across. Mail has had a tweak as well. And uh, there, are, there are also countless other features that you'll find. Siri's also been improved across the board. Uh, and notifications are a bit more intelligent, uh, both on your Mac and also on the phone as well. So you can, you can ask questions or search for photos and music and things like like that so it does Siri has uh, become a lot smarter if you want to find out how you can download those you know where to head to techguide.com.au Tech Guide this is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton the company that can keep you and your family safe online do you know what your kids are up to on the internet Well, a recent survey by internet security company Norton shows that almost three quarters of Australian parents are in the dark when it comes to knowing what their children get up to online. Are you one of them? Helping your kids grow up in the digital age of social media, online stranger danger, sexting and cyberbullying adds new dimension to parenting. And Norton wants to help give you the tools you need to open up the conversation with your kids about online safety. Norton Family is a free online service that lets you keep tabs on where your kids go, what they do and what they see online to help them develop good online habits. To learn more and to start using Norton Family for free, visit norton.com forward slash au forward slash protecting kids. And we're going to talk about it later in the program. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Kicking off the Tech Guide reviews this week is a really cool product from Jabra, the uh, headphone company. It's called Sport Coach. Now, these new Sport Coach earphones, they offer a virtual personal trainer in your pocket. So the, 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 they're wireless devices, so they connect to your smartphone via Bluetooth or with NFC if you've got a compatible device that you want to connect. And, of course, they're designed to be sweat and weatherproof so they can go with you on your workout wherever you want to go. Now, we all know that trying to stay motivated when you're exercising, a lot of people employ a personal trainer. They want someone to keep them accountable, to motivate them, tell them what the next exercise is. Well, how would you like this to be in your pocket using the Jabra Sport Coach earphones? Well, the new Jabra Sport app, the Sport Coach app, allows you to set up your workouts. You can choose from more than 40 exercises, so you can concentrate on different parts of your body. There are some preset versions in there already, so you can do like an ab workout, leg workout, an all-around fitness workout, core workout. Uh, You can also construct your own, whether you want to bring your own list of exercises, you you want to create your own little workout. And when when you're done, you can set it by either repetitions or by time. Uh, You can set your rest periods as well, and you can set these up to be as long as you want. 
And then once you're good to go, you hear this female voice in your ear saying, okay, now it's time to do your burpees. And now you go, okay, you've got 10 to go, 8 to go, or 10 seconds to go, uh, and then you move on to the next exercise. Then it'll say maybe rest for 10 seconds. Okay, and now we're off into the next exercise. So you don't even have to look at the screen because it's talking to you. you the, the phone could be in your pocket. And you can be doing this workout. If you do want to take a look at the device, the uh, the app does give you pictures and explanations of each exercise. So if you're not quite sure how to do the exercise, it does show you a, a diagram as well as a detailed description as well. It also works if you want to go out on a run. So it's, it can use, it's got sensors to detect your distance, pace, and you can then look back on your history, map all your runs, and help you reach your fitness goals. The Jabra Sport Coach earphones on the audio side sound terrific, as they always do. Jabra make great earphones. Uh, music sounds terrific. And if you are listening to music or the radio, whatever you happen to be listening to, the Sport Coach then cut, cuts in over the top to give you your latest instruction. So uh, we, I, I felt the earphones, couldn't fault them. The app could be a little bit more intuitive. I, I didn't quite know what I had to do next. It didn't quite lead me uh, along the path as easy as I thought they should. But overall, a terrific product. The Jabra Sport Coach earphones, that virtual personal trainer is with you wherever you go uh, and giving you all that encouragement and motivation, but without the bill. Don't forget, you get a real personal trainer. It costs you for each session. Not so with the Jabra Sport Coach earphones, which are priced at $199. And you can read the full review at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Now, Sony has just released their new range of Bravia 4K and full HD TVs, along with a comprehensive lineup of audio products. Now, Sony are no slouches when it comes to creating TVs, and the Bravia TVs are exceptional once again. Uh, the new flagship TVs, the X9000C and the X9100C, have an amazing ultra-thin design. Now, at the top of the screen, at its thinnest point, it's actually thinner than your smartphone. It's only about 4.5 millimetres thick at the top of the screen. It's the thinnest LCD screen on the planet. Now, apart from the amazing looks, the under the hood, it's got the new Sony X1 processor, so you get enhanced clarity, colour, contrast. Combine that too with a 4K X-Reality Pro, and that helps upscale your content to near 4K quality. The tri-luminous display, which is Sony's technology to increase the color range. So combine all those together, you get a pretty solid image quality. I took a look at these uh, at a special event last week with Sony. I have to say, I was blown away. The picture quality is incredible. Uh, the Bravia lineup that is not only looks good uh, and sounds good, but there's also new software on board. And I'm talking Android TV. They've got the Android operating system. Like on your smartphone, you can do things like downloading apps, make voice searches, and tap into Google Car so you can stream content from your mobile devices to your TV. Now, there are other models in the 4K lineup. The, the biggest TV they've got is a 75-inch. Uh, pricing on the top-of-the-line models haven't been announced. They're, they're not going to be released till August, so that's when the pricing will be announced. There are some other models that they did announce. They did have a, uh, a, a other models with the front-facing speakers built into the chassis. Those are the X9300C models. That's the 65-inch 699, and the X94C, which is 75-inch, for 11999 so a dollar 
short of $12,000. Other 4K Bravia TVs in the range, there's uh, TVs that are sort of more the mid-range, 49-inch all the way up to 75-inch as well, so a little bit cheaper than those other top-of-the-line models. And then they've also stuck with also some full HD models as well. So they have not everyone wants 4K, so they've got some decent entry-level products here, ranging in size from 43-inch all the way up to 75-inch as well in the full HD models. And even those full HD models still have the X-Reality Pro processor and the Android TV operating system. On the home audio front, uh, they made a few announcements here, including wireless speaker systems. They've got their new X-Series of uh, wireless home audio speakers. using. Uh, they feature high-res audio. Sony have a, a higher level of audio with a higher bit rate to make the music sound even better. These speakers support that. So at the top of the line, you have the X99, and then there's the X88, X77. So they, they shrink in size and in capacity and in power and obviously become cheaper as you go down. So you can sort of build a nice uh, home of audio products to suit the rooms. Uh, the biggest ones obviously cost the most, $899, all the way down to uh, less than $300 for the smaller models as well. And they can all be connected using the new SongPal app. So you can uh, play your own music, stream services like Spotify as well through those speakers. Soundbars, they've got the HT-NT3 is the $899 soundbar. The, uh, that's got a subwoofer as well. The XT3 is the sound base. That's priced at $799. That actually sits below your television. So it's a real space saver, but still provides that real punchy sound with bass and everything. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, rounding out the offering are the AV receivers. They're 7.2 channel amplifiers. They've got the STRDN1060 and the STRDN860. And both of these feature pure direct mode, so it keeps your audio pretty clean as it goes through the circuitry there. But it's also got built-in Wi-Fi, so you can uh, have AirPlay, Bluetooth, uh, and Wi-Fi connectivity. Also got Google Cast and Spotify Connect, so these can also be part of your wireless home audio solution. If you want to see pictures and full pricing, check it out, techguide.com.au. Now, Bluetooth headsets, who remembers when these headsets looked terrible? They looked big, they looked bulky, they looked ugly. Well, gone are the days because there's a new Kickstarter campaign that's introduced a product called Dot. Now, Dot is a tiny Bluetooth headset, the smallest in the world, as a matter of fact, the world's smallest. It is so small that when you're wearing it inside your ear, you hardly know it's there. You could hardly see it's in your ear. Uh, now, th this dot was put up uh, as a Kickstarter project. Their initial target was $30,000. It took less than an hour to hit that target. Now they're up at more than $100,000, and the product will eventually be released in December. But you can get in right now, I think for $99 US, you can pledge for that and be guaranteed a device once it's released in December. Uh, you can also have the stereo version, so you can wear one in each ear, and they're connected not only to each other, but also to your smartphone. Now, these are tiny. Each one is just 1.3 centimetres wide, 2.1 centimetres long, and weighs just 3.5 grams. That is tiny. Check out the story on Tech Guide. There's a, there's a picture of it next to a quarter. It makes the quarter look massive. And to charge it, it comes with a special case with enough power on board to recharge the dot six times. 
As I said, the, it's a Kickstarter project, so it's not going to be released straight away. But I've written about it at Tech Guide, and there is a link to the Kickstarter page right there. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they are the brand also behind Arlo, the only 100% wire-free HD smart home security camera. There's no need for a power outlet near the camera, which means there are no ugly cords and you have the freedom to place your cameras wherever you like. Arlo security cameras have built-in night vision so you can see exactly what's happening at any time. And they can be placed inside or out because the Arlo cameras are weatherproof as well. Users can enjoy amazingly sharp 720p live video and receive a notification if anything moves thanks to motion detection alerts. So whether you want to check in to make sure the kids are home safe, that the baby's still sleeping, the has dropped off your package, or if your holiday home or small business is secure, Arlo can give you peace of mind and all from the palm of your hand with the free Arlo app. A click or two is all you need to set up and all you ever need to check in. Check out the new 100% wire-free smart home cameras from Netgear at arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide now. A Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Our Tech Guide interview is with Tara Moss. Now, I'm sure you've heard her name. She is a famous author. She's also a child rights activist, and she's also a parent. She, uh, she's, been, she's quite well-known. Her, her novels are bestsellers. But her latest role is as a spokesperson for Norton's. Now, it comes at a time when Norton's has released a very interesting survey about parents and what they what they are thinking about their kids online, how much attention they're paying, what do they actually know about what their kids get up to online? Well, the results are, to put it bluntly, frightening. The survey revealed that 74% of Australian parents are in the dark about what their kids get up to online. 41% of Australian parents said they never check their children's online activities and never discuss issues like sexting, stranger danger online or cyberbullying. This is alarming because parents, while they might supervise what their kids do in the real world, they have absolutely no idea what they're getting up to in the virtual world. One in five Australian parents, it's about 18%, had been warned about their child's social media behaviour by their school. And 15% of parents have admitted to letting at least one child, have admitted to having at least one child that's been impacted by cyberbullying. Now, these are alarming statistics that make us realise that parents really need to take an interest uh, in what their kids are doing online. Not only an interest, but they need to kind of educate their kids and help them realise to grow up knowing the right etiquette, knowing how to stay secure, to protect their privacy. All of these things need to be looked at. Now, we spoke to Tara Moss earlier. She's the spokesperson for the Norton family. Uh, she's the Norton family ambassador. Here's what she had to say earlier. Well, hi, Tara. Thanks for joining me. You are now involved with Norton to give, give people some information about how parents can help look after what their kids do online. Tell us about how you got involved. 
Well, Norton approached me um, a few months back because I have been speaking at schools on cyberbullying and online safety issues and online ethics. I've spoken on shows like Q&A about this, and I've been pretty active online as a, a social media user and as a person in the public eye who writes opinion pieces and so on. Um, and when Norton approached me, it did really uh, connect. Um, I care a lot about kids' safety and well-being. I'm also a parent myself. And although my daughter is too young to really be using the Internet on her own, um, uh, it's funny, kids already know how to use the Internet even Absolutely. before you think they can. Yeah. Uh, at age four, she's already you know, downloading Dora apps when I'm not looking, and I have to realize <laughs> I've got to put that airplane mode back on. <laughs> Watch those in-app purchases. Yeah, that's right, that's right, those apps. Um, but, you know, for all of us really today, um, online safety and online ethics and issues like cyberbullying are really uh, relevant, and these are conversations we need to have. So I'm very excited to get on board with Norton as their family ambassador Absolutely. to continue with this public conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll talk about the survey in a minute, but I, mm. we, I think that we, we need to realise that the online isn't going anywhere. <laughs> this is the world we live in now. Our yes. children... Have, they know nothing different. That's so right. how important is this? I think, I think that so many people underestimate the importance of this. Mm. Well, a lot of people say, uh, they use terminology like there's the um, offline world and then there's the online world or there's the real world and the online world. And I take issue with some of that terminology. The online world is also the real world. Real people's actions have real consequences, and some of those actions are online actions. Um, so it's no longer useful to say there's the real world and then there's mm -hmm. the physical world. Um, so I, used, I, I like using this kind of online-offline terminology or online and physical world because it's all interconnected now. You can no longer say that we do things online, we just do things. We do yeah. things with technology now. Yeah. Um, and it's impossible to avoid. Uh, I was at Syrian refugee camps last month, and even those refugees who fled with little on their backs um, except their clothes also had their mobile phones. So interconnectivity and technology are impossible to avoid, mm -hmm. even at those extremes of human experience. Absolutely. And what we need to do now with kids is to treat online safety issues the same way we treat, say, road safety issues. We need to teach it early and often. We need to teach it before they're crossing the road by themselves or using the internet by themselves. And we also need to do it long before they're driving. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we are yet at that stage in terms of the public conversation where everybody's kind of come to that conclusion. Um, a lot of people do tend to think that the online spaces are going to kind of go away if they don't think about it um, mm. or that their kids are just going to be fine because they're seeing them sitting in the living room using a device. They don't realize that what they might be doing mm. on that device um, will have consequences for them in the online and also off sure. offline physical world as okay. well. Well, let's take a look at this study. This, this is alarming. Mm. The studies show that 74% of parents don't know what the kids are doing online. Yeah, it's a very high number. Um, and when Norton did this survey, it was just back in May, um, and all of this information is just being released now. And it is surprising. 41% um, of the parents surveyed said they never check on their kids' online activities. Of course, when kids are older, that might not be such an issue, but mm -hmm. a lot of the kids are very young using online spaces as well, and that's you know, a big concern. One in five parents had been contacted by uh, a school about one of their children's online social mm -hmm. media posts or more than one social media post. Um, and that's a very high number as well. It also brings home the fact that there are a couple of sides to this. 
When we think about kids in online spaces and cyberbullying, for example, we often think about kids as the victims. But kids are also often the perpetrators, um, particularly when it comes to cyberbullying. And, of course, those kids need to be aware of the potential consequences of their actions. Um, cyberbullying can be a crime. Cyberbullying yeah. can have really serious consequences. And, unfortunately, you know, there hasn't been a school I've visited in recent right. years talking on this issue that has not been impacted by yeah. cyberbullying, often to tragic results. And seeing it kids... Is real, it is a real issue. I can remember yeah. like when I was at school, there was no such thing as the internet, but if, mm. if there was a bully... It's nine till three, and then you're home. Yes. Cyberbullying's twenty four seven. Cyberbullying's twenty four seven, and it's also amplified because of digital technology. Yeah. Um, Cyberbullying is bullying, but using digital technology, and because of what technology is capable of achieving, it is it can be a much bigger problem. It can be um, it can really amplify those messages. And remember, what goes online stays online, so the consequences can mm-hmm. often be a lot more uh, long-lived. Mm. And but often tragic consequences. We've heard of yes. teen suicides, and it is a real issue. Well, suicide kills almost twice as many kids as the roads do. And unfortunately, in all of the schools I've come to visit, they have been impacted by bullying. And often when I talk about this subject with kids, somewhere in the classroom you will see someone very visibly upset, mm-hmm. a kid who has lost a friend to this or has come very close to that or, or has been impacted very seriously themselves. So, you know, this is a conversation we need to have. We can't ignore it. It's not going to yeah. go away. And we also need to be aware of the fact that there are great things to do online. I love technology. Online spaces can be really positive. You can help uh, find supportive communities, great for learning. But it's also creating these new aspects. And we do need to look at the ethics um, and the legal consequences of Mm -hmm. what's possible online. Mm -hmm. What about some other issues? Let's chat about those. Mm. What about sexting? Sexting. That's well, in, uh, yeah, in Norton's survey, 52% of parents had not spoken to their kids about sexting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is a, a new consideration. This is something that's emerged in recent years, and it can have negative consequences. As I said before, what goes online stays online, and sometimes uh, trust is breached. And what we need to do is look at the ethics of that as well. Mm-hmm. Too often these conversations centre on victim blaming, unfortunately. And we go, well, why did you send that picture? Or why did, you know... We really need to also be looking at ethics, specifically. What is okay to share? Mm -hmm. Uh, When things are shared with you privately, even if you think it's inappropriate, it doesn't make it okay to share it with someone else. Um, You you can't say with, you know, an 11-year-old. There was a a recent case where um, I think a year six boy coerced an 11-year-old girl into sending him a photo Mm -hmm. of herself naked. Mm -hmm. What you see there is as a child um, bullying another child, coercing them into this, and then he showed it to 21 mates. And this type of behavior goes back to ethics. So it's not okay to do that. It's not okay to coerce that child. It's not okay to breach that trust and show it to others. And these kids need to be protected, but also understand what the potential consequences are. Absolutely. What about online stranger danger? This is a big one too where Mm. you don't know who your kids are chatting to. You don't know if someone is who they say they are. Yeah. That's the issue. Well, that's a big part of the issue, and what's possible with stranger danger, of course, there are so many uh, potential consequences. If you're giving away private information, it can um, you know, jeopardize 
you know, the financial status of your whole family, potentially. Uh, you can be giving out your address online, a whole bunch of other things. Um, and, and stranger danger also relating, of course, to predators and grooming. Um, and that is something that uh, kids are still targeted with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where companies like Norton and other security experts say, you know, you, you should really think about um, online parental control software, particularly yep. for younger kids. That protects them from being contacted by strangers. Mm-hmm. And once they're older and more mature, you know, you can open up those boundaries. Sure. Let's talk more about that. What, what can parents do? I know Norton have uh, ways you can, their, their software and things you can download, yeah. some information. What can a parent do today? Well, Norton Family is a good example of free software, so this is offered free, that helps parents to be able to um, keep those rules in place, the house rules about what activities are, are okay online and during what hours, and also allow monitoring, which can be quite helpful, particularly for younger kids. So giving uh, an example of, say, the mobile phone. Mobile, mobile phones can be a great safety device for younger kids, and now a lot of younger kids do have them. However, it does open up all those other possibilities, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. With something like Norton Family, you've got the ability to monitor texting. So yeah. that's transparent. There's a, a text that says, you know, the person you're contacting is having their text mm-hmm. monitored by their parents. Yeah. And that is going to prevent some of those issues sure. to do with stranger danger, to do with sexting and so on. Because mm-hmm. gone are the days where there's one computer in the house and it's yeah. got to be somewhere. Now they've all got phones. They've, they've got a computer yeah. in their pocket now. So That's right. And there's a lot of positive things that they're going to be getting out of that technology. Um, but particularly for younger kids and to be able to put parents' um, uh, minds at rest as well, they can know what their kids are being exposed to on those devices while it's appropriate. And then when they get older and they have those foundations in place to do with you know, good ethical understanding of, of what behaviors are appropriate and also uh, a good understanding of what r- risks there are, mm-hmm. um, what information not to share, that sort of thing, then those kids can, you know, be able to have the kind of freedom adults have. But they do need to be mature enough to be able to do that. Sure. And um, we don't want kids to lose out on this great technology when they're younger, particularly the safety aspects of that great technology because of these dangers. Sure thing. That's really great information. Thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk today, we had an interesting question from a user on our forums, as a matter of fact. It's uh, Harpreet was the person. Uh, they said they're planning to upgrade from Windows to Mac. And, and he said that people complain that if I create a file on Mac, it might not be readable or becomes corrupt on a Windows system. Is this true? Well, to answer your question, no, it's not. It is not true, especially if you're using the more popular applications like, for example, uh, Office. So the Office 2016 for Mac was actually just released a few days ago. So if you're creating Office documents, whether it's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, you can then share these documents and they are fully compatible with it with anyone using any other system, whether it's Windows or a Mac, you can easily do it. The same deal goes if you're using popular programs, creative programs like Photoshop. A Photoshop file can be read, can be easily opened on a Windows machine as it can on a Mac. Same with uh, the, the other program he mentions here is Corel Draw on Mac. Will no doubt work with Windows as well. Uh, a lot, lot of creatives, graphic designers, editors like to use Mac that they just they feel more comfortable on that platform and of course those files are going to be compatible on Windows as well 
And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, email us at info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 